This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The Believe Podcast Network presents the FCS Football Podcast with Joe DeLeon. Well, let's get fat. I am a soothsayer. Well, JMU is heading on up to the FBS level and moving on to the Sun Belt, they still had a historic performance from their starting quarterback in the 2021 season. That man being Cole Johnson, who finished this year with 3,779 passing yards to go along with 41 passing touchdowns. Cole Johnson hopped on today's FCS Football Podcast Spotlight interview. But before we get to that interview, I need to tell you about today's sponsors. First being Bet Online. And I know that there's less football to bet on, but there's still so much other action that you can get into, like NBA, college basketball, you name it. From score totals, player performance props to where you can find the next fired head coach is going to land. BetOnline is that number one spot for all things betting and especially NFL betting in 2022. And with the new year comes a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. And it's not just football, folks. BetOnline's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one wagering destination. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and to play your favorite games. BetOnline, where the game starts. And I also have to tell you folks about our new sponsor, which is Masterworks. What I am going to say might shock you, but the greatest quarterback of all time is not just a goat on the field. He's a goat when it comes to investing too. He invests in stocks, crypto, and even art. Now you can invest like the GOAT with Masterworks. Masterworks is the investing platform that lets you buy shares representing an investment in art from icons like Picasso, Monet, and Warhol. And even greater, art price outpaced the S&P 500 by 164% from 1992 to 2021. In fact, early investors already received over 30% IRR 2020 and 2021 from the sale of two paintings. This is your opportunity to join the 300,000 other members and invest like a goat. Get priority access with their game day promo. Go to masterworks.com slash believe, B-L-E-A-V. See important disclosures at masterworks.io. And now joining us for our next FCS football interview for the offseason is standout quarterback from this past season, JMU's Cole Johnson. Cole, you had a fantastic season this past year. Uh, you were a part of a team that was just on the door of possibly making it to a, another national championship game. We're going to get to talking about all the season and stuff, but Sean, you wanted to address uh, a strange connection that we had with with Cole. 
Yeah, we lived with Perry Schrader uh, for a year in college, and it turns out that, uh, Cole, you went to a high school, and I'm assuming played high school football with Perry. I just, we got to pick your brain a little bit about that. <laughs> and, you know, I, I got to know, how he, how was he in high school? A normal guy, you know? Yeah, t- a really normal guy. Oh. I think we sat, I sat right behind him in calculus, um, and we did a lot of stuff together, so that's a, a great guy. I haven't seen him much since high school, but um yeah we haven't seen him much since sophomore year of college uh he i don't know who we lived with the year after we lived with him i had to separate two fights between him and joe when we were living together (laughs) one over i don't know what uh it was really odd Uh, i didn't like having to do that it was a weird bit um yeah that was a weird cat and uh i know you went to cox right yeah i went to cox yeah that's a big high school down there that's a that's a pretty yeah so it's impressive that you were able to, I guess, come out of there. And then for that, were you looking at any of the Virginia schools coming out of uh, Southern Virginia going to that? Uh, um, I can't think of Virginia schools. I was kind of coming down to, um, so my one F- FBS offer was Temple um, initially. Um, and then I came, I came down to, to JMU and Towson before I committed, uh, started my junior se- or sa- senior season. Um, and then I originally got recruited by Everett Withers, which is, two coaches ago for, for JMU. Um, so he got the job at Texas state kind of right before signing day. Um, and then we had Mike Houston come in in, in 2016 and, uh, I kept with my commitment with, uh, JMU obviously. Um, but I wouldn't say, you know, ODU was never really on me hard. None of the, uh, bigger schools in Virginia, UVA or VT, but, right. um, more, you know, obviously just JMU and, and some other FCS schools. I have to assume you're pretty happy with that decision at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, definitely looking back on it. Obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty, but um, a good decision I made. Wait, so on on that note, I I I think what's really interesting about your career path at at JMU, you were behind Ben DiNucci, who got drafted by the Dallas Cowboys, and I, I think a lot of times these days, and you were there the same time that I and uh, Sean and I were at Rhode Island when the transfer portal just randomly became a thing. And we see a lot of, especially quarterbacks that decide to leave when they don't think that they're going to get on the field or they know that there's an an older guy there. What was that like when you were behind Ben? Like, did you always think to yourself, like at some point I'm going to take over and that JMU is where you wanted to stick? Yeah, definitely. I think um, going into my junior season uh, before uh, we announced kind of Ben was transferring, um, it was kind of down between me and I got engaged Maloney um, right after that, you know, national championship loss, I think in 2017. Um, and so that was kind of our mindset going to the spring and then obviously, um, having Ben come in and be addition to our, our quarterback room, um, you know, and, and competing with him. I thought it was so close and, you know, obviously he won the battle in 2018. Um, and then we get a new coach in 2019 that kind of same story. Uh, I feel like I'm really close and I end up losing that quarterback battle. So, um, I thought it was a, a great time to kind of improve my skills and improve myself as a player. Um, rather, you know, the grass is always greener, you know, people think and, and transfer portal, but, um, there's competition everywhere you go. There's, um, competition from D one, D three, anywhere you go. So, um, it's not like you're going to go somewhere where, uh, you're automatically going to start. So, you know, I, I use those years to, you know, really, uh, hone my skills and, and get better. And, um, I, I'm glad I, you know, made that decision to stay at JMU. And you mentioned you you lost that initial quarterback battle before you took over the star, as as the starter for James Madison. What happened in that period of time when you eventually took over? Was it an injury thing or was it a performance thing that they just thought that you were the guy to to go on from there? 
Uh, which year are you talking about? You, well, you had just mentioned that you had lost the quarterback battle. Was that uh, with, with with Ben yeah. or was that with Gabe? Yeah, with okay, ben, that was both with Ben. Okay. Um, and then in 2020, uh, obviously, we went to the spring season. Okay. Um, so I started those games and then um, ended up you know, starting the 2021 season as well. So you sticking it out for what seems like a decade in college football. <laughs> I was there for three and a half years. Joe was there for four years. Um, I didn't. I can't imagine staying for another three. Um, yeah. What What were some of the things that kind of drove you to just keep on sticking it? I'm I'm, I'm assuming it's definitely you know starting quarterback, which is a pretty big deal. Uh, all eyes on you for uh, a full season. Um, were there any other factors uh, that went along with that? Yeah, definitely. I think. Um, so in 2019, I completed my undergraduate degree and, um, and I, I knew I'd have a chance to, you know, start that next season. Um, and it's definitely some tough times when you kind of go into a fifth year and then all of a sudden your season gets canceled. Um, and then you kind of push you, you figure, um, play one more season and then it gets pushed off again. Um, so I ended up playing in the spring, uh, kind of thinking that'd be my last, you know, final season. Um, and I kind of ended on a good note there and, um, I feel like I got better and better as that season went on, as I was able to get make more starts. Um, and then we had a, a tough loss in the, the FCS semifinals that year to Sam Houston. Um, and so then, it, you know, with the help of my te- teammates and coaches, I ended up, you know, making that decision to come back for a sixth year, which <laughs> <laughs> obviously being in college for six years is a long time. But I was able to um, I get a, a certificate degree as well, graduate certificate degree. And, and uh, I was able to work part time um, in kind of the financial field, which I've always kind of had a, a passion for. So um, I wouldn't say it was completely useless to being in college for six years, and it's kind of paid off and it led me a lot of uh, opportunities now. But um, it definitely feels like I was the old guy being 23 years old <laughs> on a football team. Right. Right. I, 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 oh, go ahead, Sean. What do you got? I was going to say, I wouldn't feel so self conscious. We had a 25 year old on our team <laughs> one year. And we're just like, wow. Like yeah, when, should... when Zoe came in, he said he was a seventh year. So I was like, all right, I feel like <laughs> Oh man. Um no, but so on, on on the note of this this past season, so you you have that disappointing loss in the spring. You guys lose to Sam Houston, who eventually is the national championship team. It's it's it was a really good football team for them that year. But coming into this normal-ish fall season with a short mm-hmm. off season, you guys started off really well, but then you had a little bit of a, a, a rough patch in the middle of the season where you had that close game against UNH and then you lost to Villanova. And it felt like a lot of people were saying like, oh, this JMU team is not as good as it's been in the past. And I'll admit, I think Sean and I broached that subject and we talked about it when that was happening. After that, though, you guys really went on a tear. You started to surge. What do you think was like the catalyst for that transformation in the middle of the season to the point where you guys ended up finishing off so close with North Dakota State? Yeah, I think... Um, just kind of learning both offensively and defensively our strengths. Uh, I think we had a lot of new pieces in there. Um, as far as uh, we've had running back, we had a lot of running back injuries this year. So, um, you know, starting a season, our, our running game was, you know, really clicking. There was a, a little bit down through the middle of the season. It's a lot harder when they can, you know, drop eight and coverage. Don't have to worry about the, the you know, run as much. Um, and then kind of, you know, figure out the offensive scheme that would work for us. We had a, a new quarterback coach, new offensive coordinator. Um, uh, I got the quarterback coach, a guy from Alabama, Tino Sinceri, who, uh, you know, really, you know, opened my eyes to the game and playing quarterback and um, taught me so much. So, um, you know, I think having that loss in there kind of just made us kind of realign our, our mindset to, you know, we're not going to win all these games if we just go out there and, you know, kind of play half heartedly and, 
Uh, we got really got to focus on you know, the little things. So um, I think that really propelled us uh, through kind of the end of the season and, and it kind of pushed us harder um, to be, you know, meet more perfect and focus on the little things. But um, by the end of the season, we we're kind of figuring out, you know, what worked for us offensively, getting guys in one-on-one coverage and mm-hmm. um, really scoring points. I think figuring it out is take it a little lightly. You went on a damn near personal heater uh, back-to-back games of five and six touchdowns in the end of the season. What was going through your head? Because, you know, I know it's a full team sport, but the quarterback touching the ball every play, you got to feel like you got a pretty good command over that whole offense when, when you're just dialed in like that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously the classic quarterback answer, but you really can't get enough uh, credit to some of our receivers that we had, Antoine Wells and Chris Thornton and, and Reggie Brown, a lot of those got Bracey, a lot of those guys who, um, you know, when they get one on coverage, I, I comp- tr- completely trust them to go win and beat their matchup. So um, it was really, you know, getting that good that balance of pass and run back in our game and um, exploiting one-on-one coverage, which I think we saw, you know, a, a lot of, you know, man coverage or, um, you know, just a lot of RPOs towards the end of the season that, you know, we just get a lot of yards after catch uh, possibilities and, um, so I, I can't give enough credit to our receivers who went out there making plays. I'm just the one who puts in their hands. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that the um, just touch on the RPO thing? Um, some in some circles for like analysts and draft scouting, it's looked down upon as like an easy system for quarterbacks, and they feel like oh, you're not really scanning the whole field. You just have you make a couple reads, you make the decision. Uh, do you feel like it's it suited you well uh, for for next level football? Because we ran the system, we had a couple really good quarterbacks running it. Like wow, this is this is an offense that we could really run and thrive in. Um, and you saw it in the NFL also, you know, Philly was running the hell out of it. Other teams started running the hell out of it. Uh, do you, how do you think that is analyzed for the, for the higher level uh, football leagues? And do you think it's uh, helped you? Uh, going forward? Yeah, I think um, obviously it helps your stats and stuff like that in college, but it, it won't transition as much. Uh, I think a little, a little bit into the NFL, but not quite as much as um, you're going to use at the college level. I think, um, you see like Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid kind of bringing it over and um, kind of getting that transition to kind of come to the NFL. But um, obviously, it'll be a lot more, you know, under center, classic, you know, play action or, or you know, straight concepts and um, quick game and stuff like that rather than RPOs in the NFL. Um, just because, you know, the, the, the level of defense is so much better. But um, I really think it's suited us uh, offensively, uh, especially, at, you know, the FCS level. Uh, to just take advantage of um, wherever that seventh defender was or um, whatever somebody's playing off coverage, just take advantage of what the defense has given you uh, to kind of, you know, get free yards in, in a sense. Um, so I, I think it suited us, but um, I, I totally understand when you, you won't be able to use that as much at the next level. Um, so I think that's why I'm working on, you know, my full skill set as I go into, you know, this pre-draft training. Talking on that transition and that pre-draft training, wh- where are you g- – doing that preparation and, and what quarterback coach are you working with during this? Yeah. So I'm in uh, Indianapolis, uh, right outside of Indianapolis with a guy named Anthony Morelli, uh, okay. X factor quarterback training. He was, uh, uh, you know, number one quarterback uh, prospect coming out of high school and he went to Penn state, uh, back in the two thousands. And, um, and then he ended up playing a couple of years in the NFL. And now, you know, he's obviously running this It's more suited towards high school kids, but I think he's got, um, uh, incredible wealth of knowledge um, when it comes to, you know, understanding what, what it takes to get to the next level in, in NFL quarterback training. Are you the only NFL draft prep guy 
working with him? Just you? Yeah. There's a lot of, um, you know, younger guys that I can, you know, help teach as well, but it's nice to get that focus where, you know, just one guy with me and there's a couple other guys who are training for the draft here, other positions. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm the only quarterback here. So it's kind of nice to get that one-on-one attention. What, what made you pick going to Indianapolis? Was there a connection with him or is it maybe your agent put that together? Yeah. So my, uh, my agent put that together. I had a couple of choices with uh, different agents. Um, but you know, I thought this was the best plan uh, as far as, um, getting ready for the draft and, um, be able to throw to, you know, five times a week and um, having a guy who understands, you know, the position I'm in. So um, really that, that was a connection as my agent uh, kind of had the connection here. Uh, Cole, you know, being from the uh, CAA, I guess all three of us have been, who was your uh, least favorite team to play? I think also was UNH just absolutely hated playing them. Um, did you have a, a particular one that, that comes to the top of your mind? Um, I would say UNH at UNH. I think I've thrown, oh, yeah. you know, t- two pick sixes in 10 years of football. And, um, I think both of them are to UNH at UNH. <laughs> so we, we always say we have some sort of curse playing up there for some reason. We always have a bunch of turnovers and it just, um, like even this past year, we had like three turnovers and we were turnover free before that. It just kind of went wrong, but. Um, no, it's a weird spot. They, it's a hard they place got, to play. Yeah. They got a track <laughs> around the field. They got their scoreboard presented by waste management. Beer garden. <laughs> like it just doesn't make like it, not a lot of it makes a ton of sense. I, yeah. So when you're up there, you're like, I don't know. They always got some receiver that's going off for like a buck eighty out of nowhere. <laughs> it, it, it always irritating playing UNH at UNH. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and talking on CAA teams, and one thing that popped up towards the end of the season for you guys. And it affects you a little bit less because you're you're now leaving. Is that JMU is moving to the Sun Belt? They're going to be an FBS team. I'm always so curious how much current guys know about that happening. And I remember when I first got to Rhode Island, like when we traveled to play you guys and we lost 80 to whatever it was, and that was like one of my first starts. But I remember somebody saying like, "Oh, they're trying to move up to to FBS." Is that something that you knew? at the beginning when you came in that like this was coming or were you maybe a little surprised when you found yeah, out? Yeah. So, um, initially when you, when I first got there or whatever, six years ago, um, obviously there was rumors about it. And, um, I think we had uh, maybe a rumor that potentially the Sunbelt a while ago, but, um, I don't know if it fit what we wanted to do a, a while ago back, you know, in 2016 or whatever it was. Um, but there was always kind of inklings about it. And, and then this year, I think, um, more than ever, I heard a lot of people talking about it and the chances with all the different realignment with people moving up from, um, in America and all that stuff. So there's going to be a, diff- a bunch of different, uh, conferences having realignment. Um, so I really didn't know too much ahead of time that week. We kind of, uh, heard rumors of it. Um, and then we knew a couple of days b- uh, before it was announced or a-, a week before it was announced, but, um, other than that, uh, you know, I didn't have too much insider info when that, that happened. Right. And I'm just curious on this too, because there was uh, some pretty big pushback when we found out that the CAA wasn't going to let JMU's other sports compete in CAA championships. And, and like, I remember when Sean and I were playing, like we were so ingrained with the athletic community with all the other sports and like, we would see them in study hall and we would talk to them. What was the, the feel like, maybe behind the scenes for some of these other um, athletic teams, like when they found out that they couldn't compete for a, a championship. Yeah. Uh, uh, all of them were crushed. We kind of had a big meeting 
um, where he kind of announced it to all the athletics uh, teams. And um, I know a lot of people were upset about it and uh, rightfully so. I think if I were to come back for, you know, my sixth year and I made a decision and then ended up not being able to uh, compete in, you know, the playoffs or, you know, a a conference championship, um, I think that, you know, would change your decision about potentially coming back. So just going off of that, I I mean, I crushed for them and um, I know it's really hard and I don't think it's the right decision. Um, but you know, obviously it's been done in the past and the same thing happened. So, um, I don't think we expected anything different from it, but it, it's obviously a hard situation. Yeah. It, it was done in the past. I think it happened with ODU and then people yeah, said it's a stupid rule then, uh, but it's a rule. And then we had, I don't know, eight years to, to redo that and fix yeah. it. And it's still a stupid rule, um, to punish teams for excelling, uh, and then punishing other people that are not even directly affiliated with that team for <laughs> yeah. excelling. Uh, it, it is a stupid rule. Um, and I think we spent, I don't know, 15 minutes talking about that. And I know a lot of people, I mean, even uh, JMU alums just in real life were just texting me like, hey, what the hell is going on here? Why are they doing this? I'm like, it's a stupid rule. And I think that's what you got to chalk it up to. And I guess hopefully it gets fixed. But I don't know, these conferences can be rather uh, selfish at times. Yeah, I think it's even harder that you look at all the other conferences that are doing it and none of them have that rule, but we're the one right. conference. So it makes it even harder. Right, right. Oh, cool. That's all we had for you today. Really appreciate you taking the time during your, your busy redraft schedule. And best of luck to you going forward with that opportunity to keep playing. And we're certainly going to be rooting for you. But thanks again and have a, a great process preparing for the NFL. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And uh, go Dukes. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Cole. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.